guys, what's going on? Welcome back to another ESL podcast. And this is a Patreon special. That's right. I decided to take out a couple of things and wanted to give you a sneak peek in terms of what I do over there on Patreon. My Patreon website has had more than 17 clicks through my main website uh, this month, making it the most ever. And I know a lot of you have been saying, you know, I've been wanting to, you know, give back because you've helped me so much and this and that. So if you want to join an exclusive community with a lot of exclusive material, you could go on over there and support me if you will. There's a silver badge, a gold badge, and I'm planning on uh, jumpstarting the TOEIC badge again uh, coming shortly. But nonetheless, what I'm going to be focusing on here today is this specific text about the who are the real heroes of Mount Everest. So what was so amazing is, again, talking about, you know, the, the, the Nepalese girl. I'm not exactly sure if you guys are going to listen to this podcast before uh, she comes on. But her being from Tibet, you know, she says she was from Nepal. And I said, hey, are you like, you know, are you like, you know, do you have a Sherpa family? And that's what we're going to be discussing because she looks very similar to what, you know, uh, you, you know, what Sherpas are out there. And you guys are probably wondering, what is a Sherpa? I don't understand. What's a Sherpa? Well, if you guys haven't watched the movie Everest five years ago, you know, they talked about, you know, the Everest disaster, which had happened back in, um, uh, what was it, 1995, 1996? Lots of people died. Uh, probably about, well, I wouldn't say lots, but about 15. But uh, since then, there have been another, uh, more than 200, 300, 400 that have died. But they wanted to zero in on this because there was a guy by the name of Hillary, which they named one of the top cliffs uh, after him because I think he had survived, though, or a guy named Rob. I'm not exactly sure. Again, a very, very sad movie. I would not uh, encourage anyone to watch it, because basically it's just full of a death. Um, but nonetheless, you know, we have a tendency of looking at people who have climbed Everest as the heroes, as the amazing people to look up to. But we should actually look at some of these Sherpas as the heroes. Again, it's a, we can't like, you know, put one over the other. Uh, but at the same time, we have a tendency of losing sight as human beings to who our real heroes are when we don't look at everyone else who has brought up those particular heroes too. Right? So, in saying that, guys, I'm going to play this audio. I'm going to make sure that I screen share because if I don't, you guys aren't going to hear anything. So, here it is. We are going to get into who are the heroes of Mount Everest. Sherpas work where others battle for survival, facing avalanches, snowstorms, earthquakes, and freezing temperatures. They risk their lives to keep climbers equipped with essential provisions. To this day, he is considered one of the greatest mountaineers ever to have lived. Reinhold Messner conquered the 8,848-metre peak of Mount Everest twice, both times without supplemental oxygen. It's an incredible achievement. Still, it pales in comparison to the feats of Lakpa Tenzing, also known as Appa Sherpa. This Sherpa has scaled the world's highest mountain an astonishing 21 wow. times, a record that he shares with fellow Sherpa Purba Tashi. Yet outside the climbing community, hardly anyone knows their names. 
So that's number one. Even Paragraph before one. expeditions step foot on the mountain, the Sherpas are there to pave the way. Teams prepare a route over the treacherous Kumbu Icefall, up the Lotse face and along the summit ridge. They fix ropes for climbers to follow and place ladders in strategic places. It's dangerous work, with crevasses opening up all the time, threatening to crevices. sweep them away in seconds. Crevices, okay. I've never heard of a crevasse. But we're going to be matching paragraphs. As the mountaineers move up the mountain, the Sherpas go ahead to prepare the camps for them. Shouldering loads of up to 20 kilos, they take food, water, oxygen bottles and luggage to keep their clients supplied. Hundreds of Sherpas carry 20 tons of equipment up the mountain over several days. In the thin air and temperatures of minus 15 degrees, it takes an almost superhuman effort. Foreign climbers, when asked why they want to try to conquer Everest, offer a range of responses. Testing one's limits, personal achievement, companionship in a shared challenge. One climber admitted wanting to write it on his CV. But what motivates the Sherpas to climb? Over the years, technology has helped to make a sense safer. Whereas only a few years ago, all that was available was a short-range walkie-talkie, climbers now carry mobile phones and laptops, which means they have access to weather reports. The dangers are such that even today, with months of training and state-of-the-art equipment, only one in every five foreign climbers makes it to the summit. And that's perhaps what makes the achievements of Lakpa Tenzing and his colleagues all the more incredible. In reality, all of the records on Everest, the first ascent, the longest stay on the summit, the fastest ascent, are held by Sherpas. It took Sherpa Pem Dorji just eight hours and ten minutes to climb from the base camp to the summit. In contrast, even the fittest climber would take four days to cover this route. These hardy Sherpas are never the protagonists of the story. But it's worth remembering that without them, the climber's ambition to reach the summit would be unachievable. The Sherpas, who magnanimously allow the climbers to take the glory, are the true heroes in the tale of human triumph over nature's grandest challenge, Mount Everest. Wow! So, looking at that big word, you guys probably just heard it. Magnanimously. Holy, hold on. Magnanimous, magnanimously. Wait, magnan, wait, wait, wait. Magnanimously. Holy Jesus, that's a massive word. Okay, so, again, if you come across these ridiculous ass words, what you have to do is look at the context in which it is being used. So the Sherpers who magnanimously allow the climbers to take the glory are the true heroes in the tale. So, again, those people, they, they, they magnanimously kind of means like they generously allow the climbers to take the glory. 
So generously, okay, meaning generous is magnanimously. A lot of you are like, well, why did he use generously instead? I know. Well, the thing is, we do not in everyday English use these massive, ridiculous words, maybe at Harvard or other prestigious universities. But yeah, that just makes you look more like a fool. Okay, but in a reading context, fine. If you want to use a ridiculous adverb uh, that, that, you know, you could just use something or supplement it for something that everyone can understand. It just depends who you are trying to cater to. This being a C1 book and, you know, you know, different segments in here. Again, that's why they use this in context. But, whoa, how amazing is that? Come on, let's be honest. 21 times Appa Sherpa? We have a tendency of looking at the first Thai person to scale, the first Japanese who scaled, the first this, the first that. These Sherpas scale in eight and a half, like eight and a half hours. And it's, you're not, it's not a comparison game. But why do we generously give praise to all of the people or to the people who do the things apparently for the first time? It's kind of like the moon. If that had even happened, I don't know. There's a lot of crazy tales out there that, that did, the moon landings actually never happened. But if we look at that and we say, oh, he's the first man to get, to get on the moon, but who designed the spaceship to get him there? You understand, like, there is a contribution to everyone. We kind of look at Neil Armstrong as this, oh, my God, the most amazing guy ever. Listen, he was the one that just shot up there and walked on it for the first time. It could have been anyone else. Right? You could have grabbed someone from Tahiti and said, hey, you want to go to the moon? Shoot him up there. Oh, well, no, the health of this and that. I get it. But that doesn't make Neil Armstrong a saint. Whoever's the one that created the space shuttle, they should be the ones that are given the praise. I'm just saying. Okay? So that's from my personal perspective. Now, again, some of those, st some of those um, stats in there, 20 kilos, 20 tons over the course of X amount of days. Minus 15 degrees, oh my God. The dangers especially. You know, like if you watch that movie Everest, man, you would see the tremendous amount of dangers that people have to go through. And you know, if you actually go on YouTube and um, YouTube and uh, check out some of the videos in regards to what Sherpers say about some of the climbers, uh, you know, Sherpers are actually pretty mad. They're like, oh, we're bringing up tents and all these other, and water jugs and containers. And, and they're like, they're saying, man, this is like pretty bullshit. They were kind of saying it in a very nice way, but they were saying, <laughs> they were like, dude, this is bullshit. They're bringing up all these things that they don't even need. So you get these people who scale, I scaled Everest, I scaled Everest. Okay. Um, if you guys haven't listened to the David Morrill Scaling Everest podcast, which um, was probably about two years ago in about June, he, again, scaled seven of the, I did, I interviewed him, right? And he scaled seven of the highest mountains in the world. Okay, one on Antarctica, he went to Mount Kilimanjaro, he went to Mount Everest, he went to Aconcagua out there in Argentina. He went to a to every the highest peak in every continent or on every continent he went to and he scaled it. But who helped him? Now again, we don't look at we we shouldn't just look at everyone at uh, one individual as a god. But it's kind of like Michael Jordan. A lot of people say, "Oh my god, Michael Jordan was the greatest thing ever." But Michael Jordan lost a considerable amount of times. Okay, and if it wasn't for his team, Michael Jordan, no way he would have done that by himself. So we have to stop looking at people on individual basis and look at them as a team. Michael Jordan doesn't say that. He doesn't say, yeah, I'm the greatest. Well, maybe he does because that's an ego, egotistical kind of thing that these people have. Um, but 
he says, you know, the best player of all time, and he made a video about four years ago, and he said, man, that's a dumb question. It's who's the best team of all time. See? That is him giving credit to everyone, the entire establishment. That's very critical, right? Because a lot of people, man, they would say, like CP. CP is one of the biggest companies out here in Thailand. Do you think that one guy did everything? Absolutely not. It's the workers who work in CP who are all underneath him who are committed to his growth. But Jeff Bezos, people look at Jeff Bezos. He's the richest man in the world. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's everyone underneath him who's be- who contributed to his success. He is not a god. He acts on ideas. No, I'm sorry. He gets people to act on his ideas because, of course, he has the money behind it. That's it. So let's stop looking at just one individual as a god and look at the whole spectrum. We're talking the whole big shebang. So what I'm going to do now, with all those beeps, there were six paragraphs. There are six paragraphs that are missing, and you're going to have to stick these in with those that you had heard, uh, you know, with the beep sound. So check out one through six, okay, and A through G on my blog on thearseniobuckshow.com. All right. Now, again, normally these types of lessons are on my Patreon silver badge. So if you want to commit to a $10 fee every month to get exclusive and Q&As and live streams and everything, I will be more than happy to do that for you. All right. And I'm sorry, not do that for you, but that is, uh, that is something that's available for a lot of you out there. All right. So, In saying that, here go the paragraphs. A, only a few are able to make the final steps to the summit. At this stage, the Sherpas are each assigned to a climber. Triumphant climbers are left to celebrate, while the Sherpas, who made it possible, return to anxious families and wait to hear when the next expedition is to arrive. What that means is, the families are terrified that they might not come back. If you guys watch some of those YouTube videos, the, the mother is worried sick, like her husband may not may never come back. It's terrifying to know that, right? It's kind of like when someone goes off to war, but again, that's kind of like voluntary in this state of age compared to what it was back in the 20th century. But will they come back home? It's tough to say. So let's go into B. Still, it's never easy Oh my God, I hate these gerunds. It's never easy to climb a mountain. With rising temperatures, there is less snow on the ice rocks, increasing the chance of falling. And nowhere else in the world is the threat of avalanches so great. C, for this reason, Sherpas are often considered to be the world's best athletes. They set world records as they go about their daily business. Yet they are the ones who serve breakfast to visiting climbers at 4.30 a.m., 7,000 meters above sea level. Oh, my goodness gracious. The goddamn people who climb, they don't even make their own breakfast. The Sherpas do it. Oh, but they do it for a price. Again, you're completely ignoring the fact. They are superhuman, period. They are my hero. Just like the heroes who actually trek maybe one week to go into the Amazon rainforest or either that or they die in the capital of Lima in Peru. Those people are some of the strongest human beings in the world. Those are the people I look up to. So let's go into D. Other teams carve a campsite out of the ice and set up the tents. And I hate this. I hate these. Okay, let me do that again. Oh, my goodness gracious. My reading capabilities are terrible right now. Other teams carve up a campsite out of the ice and set up the tents and cooking stations at base camp. 
when the expeditions arrive, they can expect to have everything waiting for them. They're talking about Sherpas, right? So E, in a country where the average salary is $700 a year, the lure of earning 4,500 to 5,500 on an expedition is strong. Holy shit, guys, think about that. 700 a year. But again, 4,500 to 5,500 on one expedition, that's huge. But it comes with a, with a cash, catastrophic risk. One eight-week expedition a year, which is all that the weather on Everest permits, allows them to provide for their families for 12 months. So climbing the mountain offers a way out of poverty. Regardless of all the risk involved, they do it time and time again, as they have for more than a century. F. Although the word Sherpa has become synonymous with porters in the Himalayas, it is actually the name of the Nepalese tribe. Members of the tribe possess a unique gene variant that prevents them from suffering the punishing altitude sickness. That is an extremely, very, that's a very, very good point. That is true. That is very true. Because guess what? There aren't that many Africans or African-Americans that actually climb Everest because we do have altitude sickness. And so if you look at, there was a, a free safety by the name of uh, Ryan Clark. He played a football game in Denver at the Mile High Stadium. A mile high, again, this is 1,600 meters above sea level. Um, he got sick for a very long time and almost died because he had altitude sickness. That's only 1,600 meters up. Imagine 7,000. And they call that the death zone. So what they mean by the death zone, I think the 7,000 to about the 7,500 meter mark, they, they categorize this as the death zone. And that indicates that your body begins to deteriorate. So you, between that 7,000 meter to that 8,300, you have to climb that as fast as possible. Because if you don't, you could die there. So again, a number of deaths come within this death zone. And I wrote a blog about that about probably three to four years ago uh, because I talked about when the Iceman Hoffman, if I think I pronounced his last name correctly, but that death zone is punishing. And so just imagine that every step you take, you're killing yourself. So again, very, very important. Let's keep it going with the same idea, paragraph E. <sighs> Here we go. So climbing the mountain offers way out of poverty, as I've already said. As a matter of fact, I completely lost my whole train of thought. Here we go. Paragraph F. And they have developed whiter blood cells that can transport oxygen to the muscles, brain, and heart more quickly. It's kind of like David Morrow. He said that his lungs were a little bit bigger than most. So it's easier for him, you know, to navigate himself through high altitudes because he can actually... Uh, let's just say suck in more oxygen, for the lack of a better term. G, last paragraph. Sherpas almost always remain anonymous, making them the unsung heroes of Everest. They work in perilous conditions, perilous means dangerous, to make the foreigners dream of reaching the summit come true. They commit to saving their clients' lives, often endangering their own. Without their meticulous planning and assistance, Everest ascents would be impossible for even the most experienced climbers. So let's just say, without the Sherpas, there is no scaling Everest. So in saying that, guys, 
what an amazing story. I want you guys to tell me again. Uh, this is actually going to be available on the Patreon Silver Badge. But if you want to communicate and you want to talk about things and who your great heroes are, make sure you share the story. And in saying that, guys, thanks so much for tuning in to an amazing reading, listening. If you guys have any questions, again, these types of stories and these types of things are available in the Patreon Silver Badge. So if you're interested... And again, you know, donating, like, let's say $10 a month or $25 a month to the Arsenio Fund and having these types of exclusive Q&As and live sessions and polls and all these wonderful things. And, you know, that exclusive group, make sure you go on over there to my Patreon Silver Badge. So in saying that, guys, thanks so much for tuning in to another ESL podcast. And stay tuned for more because I got a heck of a lot more over and out.